Does everything have a bright side to it? Of course. It doesn't always outweigh the negatives, but everything has a bright side to it. This makes happiness a choice. And here we say that the discipline of being happy is the ultimate discipline. With that said, welcome to the Ultimate Discipline Podcast, where we meet with people who are practitioners of this exact discipline, and we hear their cool stories of cultivating happiness through challenges in their life. I am your host, Sean Greenspan. Let's get to it. Daron, how are you doing today? Hey, Sean, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's evening for you. You're calling in from Israel, correct? Correct. It is evening. Beautiful country. How's everything going? Fantastic. Yeah, it is a beautiful country. The beach is beautiful and uh, yeah, very alive, I'd say. Well, I I love that. I love that. Well, hey, for those those that don't know... um, Daron's uh, yoga guru, if you if you will, and you'll hear more about uh, how he has uh, built a beautiful business with retreats and stuff all around yoga. But I'll tell you what excites me most about you, and I'd love to jump into in this conversation, is how yoga is just kind of like a discipline that you're using um, to mental well-being, if you will. I'll let you put that into your own words, but you know, in our previous discussions, you know, that's what caught my attention most, and I'd love to, um, I'd love to dive in with you at some point on this call. But uh, do you mind giving a little introduction about what you do and really why you do what you do? Absolutely. Um, wow, it started a long time ago, I'd say. Um, where I finished the Israeli military service and I was a bit confused as to what to do in life and my identity, like, you know, people tell me I'm Israeli, I'm Jewish, whatever, but I had a lot of questions. I went to Asia um, and different than many Israelis, instead of partying, I just jumped from one guru to another, from Dalai Lama to Osho to Vipassana to Zen teachers really trying to seek uh, answers, doing yoga already back then. This was 92, 93. And I think that was kind of the opening to an understanding that uh, happiness and fulfillment were something that were really up to my mind and not up to anything that somebody else taught me or gave me before. And since then, my journey really began in this quest and this practice and, uh, I've continued doing that in New York, where I lived for a while. I was exploring all different types of yoga and uh, different types of meditation. I was studying with Tibetans for a while. Then I discovered Zen, and that became my home, really. that My weekends would be that. And uh, eventually it took over. Like I became a healthy chef and uh, lived in uh, California teaching yoga for many years and then decided it's time to create a home for all of this. So I moved to Guatemala, created a little village, so to speak, where I really wanted people to be able to live the totality of of this practice, not just doing the physical practice, but eat well, think well, be in nature, really a place where it really supported people on a full-on transformation. And so just like it... I don't know, saved my life, I would say. Um, I wanted to be able to offer that to other people and to share it. Um, Yeah. (laughs) That's an amazing story. I mean, 
first of all, uh, so like you said, you know, you, you, you were, you wanted to take a different approach, right? Not just party all the time, which, hey, partying is fun, but I know, I think sometimes it, it leaves you maybe feeling like uh, there's, there's more out there, but you actually, like, you were pretty courageous. I mean, just to like, go like learn from different, you know, gurus, if you will, um, what was that experience like? You know, to me, it's almost like a mystical, magical, like, I, I don't even know. It's something I'm interested in. And I just, I'm very curious to, to kind of hear about um, what that was like. I think life in general is just magic. And, uh, and traveling there, I was really young. I started the journey before that I was already studying psychology on my own and, and different like online universities. Well, not, it wasn't online back then, but self-study universities and stuff. And I really, I was, I was thirsty. I was hungry to get knowledge, to get understanding. I was really not in a good place. And so going around, sometimes meeting other people that are in the same quest was just inspirational it felt like okay i'm not the only the only one that lost it so to speak right i'm there looking trying to find meaning of it all and it was beautiful because in these places you find weirdos and you find some sincere people that really want to understand understand themselves more than anything else which later on helps somebody understand the world and and relationships and everything else but but really, it's understanding oneself. There's many moments where it feels a bit scary, like, hell, I'm alone here and I don't know anybody and what am I doing? But it was almost a necessity more than a will. It was almost like really, I was so hungry to understand what's going on that there was no option for me to do anything else but to keep on studying and learning and listening to people. And I've been to some famous ones that just, felt to me almost like a facade, like something that wasn't as deep or interesting as I was hoping for. And it felt like more like a show and we were there to get their blessings and that will fix everything. Um, and then I've been to others where I was just, you could look at their face and there was something there that was beaming. And <laughs> I was like, I don't know what you're doing, but give me some of that. yeah yeah i wonder what he's at (laughs) so so, you know so it was it was yeah there are definitely a lot of challenges along the way but any path we take i think most paths will have challenges but if we're really sincere about our quest then the challenges become unimportant we just pass them and move on certainly Um, yeah and that was just part of it it continued in the u.s i studied with a lot of great teachers i just feel like I should acknowledge that as well. It wasn't definitely not all in India. And these days it's even harder because there's so many people in India that are just riding the wave of spiritual consumerism that that it really it doesn't matter. Today there's really amazing teachers all over the world. It's just finding the ones that are kind of authentic and in it for for because of the right reasons, which is sometimes a hard thing to do. Wow. That yeah. Great reflection. Thanks. I mean, that, that's, that's really awesome. I'll tell you, I, I had um, a beautiful two experiences with, with people that, you know, when you just like what you just said, you just like look into someone's eyes and you're like, this person just got it. Like they, they just got it. I don't know what to say. Um, are you familiar with Wim Hof? A little bit. 
a little bit. Um, I just came back from a seven-day retreat with Wim himself in the Pyrenees Mountains in Spain. Um, there, there was 14 instructors, 100 people, seven days. And we, um, with the days, it, it was in a camp, like a campsite in the mountains. Um, amazing, right? We'd wake up. We'd go to this cliff overlooking this valley with a dried up lake bed. The sun would be peering over. We met exactly two minutes before sunrise every day. So the sun would just peek over the mountains a few minutes after we met. And we'd go through like a deep discussion, a little yoga practice to get into our bodies. And then his breathing method. Um, and, you know, um, as we went through, I'm going off tangent just to paint the picture for this retreat because it was so beautiful. We then ate breakfast together as a family, um, maybe did a hike, maybe did like a, a one of those like weird, you know, ways that we just open up to strangers. You know, uh, they'd partner us with random people. We'd hold hands and stare into their eyes for several minutes without talking and, you know, uh, all sorts of stuff like that. Do ice baths where people got emotional um Great, great time. Everywhere playing music, singing. The instructors dedicate their lives to this. They've all gone on their own experience and speak their own language of Wim Hof. It's not like they're not just like regurgitating. But still, the conviction and confidence and energy that Wim himself exuded was just like, you, you just felt different, right? Like he had that energy, he had the juice, the energy, I don't know what to call it. Um, and, you know, I, I think there's something that uh, is, it, you can't, you can't fake that, you know, it just, it just can't be faked. And, you know, that's something that inspired me, because, it, you know, I hope I inspire others, but I don't think I am at that level. And I mean, it's been over a week. I feel his energy in me clear as day, just like I just saw him. I actually just got off the phone with Wim. We're going to try to connect here soon. And it was just a beautiful, beautiful experience. And I think when you find people like that, you just got to hold on tight, you know, try to help them learn from them, spread their message, all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um yeah, I agree. It's when somebody's really believing in what they do, it, it does come across. Um, and there's a two-level thing that has to happen, right? The student has to have trust because sometimes you don't know if this is going to work or not. And then really the teacher has to not abuse that trust. And hopefully there's a symbiosis, something that happens there that really inspires onward. Um, I, I, I love what he does. Honestly, a lot of that does come from the yoga world from years before. The, what you just described, the holding hands is something Osha used to do in his ashram in India. Back in the day, we would just sit down and to get the energy of strangers, just hold hands and trans, transmit love that's uh, without words, really just the sensation of love. And it, you didn't know the other person and it could be anybody, any age, any gender, anything. And as far as the breathing, I do think that that's one of the most amazing things out there. And, uh, definitely in the yoga world, the pranayama, all the different practices, some of them correlate with what he does. Some of them are a little different, um, are extremely powerful because there's really different techniques that can elevate you, that can calm you down, that can 
just really through the breath that there's a way to um, to change and, and really manifest anything we want. And so I know for me, uh, once in my life, I was actually considered dead. And uh, dead and doctors called it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it was, uh, you know, I was in coma for a little while. And when I came back, of course, been stuffed a million medicines here to Jamaica. And it was like, okay, what do I do if I don't want to be on all these medicines? They predicted that 40 will be a miracle if I'll arrive at 30. At 40. It happened when I was 30 years old, right after September 11. Um, and so, yeah. And so I just like took on stronger the practices of pranayama and, uh, well, I'm 51 now, so I guess something worth it. <laughs> yeah, you know, you you got a little bit of that juice yourself in just your smile. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you that for sure. Um, and sorry for my for my stark reaction. Like, yeah, I I couldn't hear it. I I thought um, I was thinking you might have said like you know anxious, depressed. You know, not um, and uh, you know that just it caught it caught it uh, caught my attention certainly. Um, yeah. Well, congrat! First of all, congratulations, because yeah. you you you're an eternal optimist, right? Um, and and I don't mean that just to to make you feel good, right? Um, you you not only you saw a challenge when you were challenged, right? Like I think it's really easy. David Goggins said this. It's really easy to. Uh, you know, sign up for a marathon when you're sitting on your couch in air conditioning with slippers on eating potato chips, right? It's, it's really difficult to be on a run 21 miles in, your legs are exhausted and then say, I'm going to sign up for another marathon, right? Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, so you, you, were you practicing, you were practicing, obviously, some of these Zen practices um, before this coma, right? Yeah. Yeah, so it, so I, it, it worked. <laughs> it, it does. It works. Um, yeah, the Tibetans helped me a lot. Um, I was going over to New Jersey. There was a big llama there, and I was studying with him and with some others, Gisha Michael Roach. And uh, they really kind of were shaping the fact that we can create the stories of our lives. And, and a lot of the work was visualization. And at that time, I was a photographer, and I found it to be very powerful. However, I was so addicted to the images created in my mind that I couldn't let them go afterwards. So when I transitioned into the Zen world, the Zen world was all about kind of arriving at emptiness. And it was arriving really at just following the breath and slowly, with a lot of training, um, you know, retraining the mind, the the mind clears out and arrives at spaces that are beyond space time or beyond the regular consciousness of being. And that's a very, very powerful place to be in, which is actually kind of the same space I found that one gets to in, in the state of a coma. Wow. I'm feeling the breath right now. <laughs> That's one of the things that I did learn. Uh, When I say learn, I mean uh, experience, right? Because, you know, I can tell you, you know, hey, the breath is really powerful. It can calm you down. It can give you energy. Cool. You learned that. Um, But to to have true, you know, 
experience and understanding. I think, oh, I think to have true understanding comes from experience. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm almost like lost for words, one, because I'm just so happy to be hearing what you're saying because it's a, it validates some of the thoughts that I have, right? I'm, I'm, I think you said in the beginning, like, life's amazing. I think life's a miracle. Miracles happen all the time. And, you know, life itself is a miracle. So why wouldn't other miracles happen, right? Like what's going on in our body to work every second without us really knowing on the conscious level is so outstanding and how resilient we are and the amazing things the body can do. Of course, miracles can happen, right? Uh, And it just, you know, it's, it's so beautiful. What I'm really wanting to cling on to from what I'm hearing is this concept of that you were training, right? Some people probably thought you were crazy, wasting your time, whatever, but you're, you're training your mind and all these different principles, they all came down to a similar thing of being able to have more control over the brain, maybe, or the mind, I should say, maybe by letting go of things. Um, and, and, you know, that really gives you perspective and perspective to be grateful and optimist and in tune with your, your power, right? Your, you know, the power that you have. And then you are faced with a challenge. Again, it's really easy to think you have control of your mind when you're laying down in a beautiful room with music and candles and the whole environment is about relaxation. But boom. You know, you're hit with a coma, your life flips upside down. Can you remain that way? And you were able to. And that's like the extreme, right? And I, I, I'd like to highlight, I'd like to use this as a chance to highlight it for people, maybe people that are listening. Uh, you know, it, it's actually the same thing as if you had a little stress at work, boom, you lost your job. You know, something happened. And you need to be able to like, completely, you know, get the emotion out of your thinking, right? And really think from this higher perspective, this, you know, level of gratitude and knowing that there's abundance and options everywhere. And I mean, obviously you're able to, to thrive and it's not like, you know, like you, I mean, for all I know, especially by the way you look and act, you're a very healthy man, um, nowadays. And it's, uh, you know, so, I don't know. I just, I think it's amazing what you did. I think it's a great lesson for me and the listeners to, to really digest. I'll say that, you know, it's not like once, uh, once one realizes a certain level of meditation and understands their mind, um, life doesn't become, uh, peaches. Um, so this is not to deter anybody from understanding the mind. I really think that that's an important thing. Um, however, um, stomachache can still happen after one mastered the mind and uh, one can still lose a second job and a lot of stuff can happen, right? There's, there's uh, Life doesn't ever become like without its own uh, ups and downs. It's the resilience that changes. It's the way we perceive what happens. Um, Mastering the mind is not really mastering reality, 
but it's understanding that whatever happens, um, we can interpret it in any way we decide to. So as things come to us, we may even be upset for a moment. We may even get anxious for a moment or whatever it is. However, how do we deal with that? Can we, I wouldn't say even push away the emotion because it's easier said than done. Most of us, when the emotion takes over, when somebody's angry or jealous or terrified, um, it's hard for that person in most cases I've noticed to just say, Hey, uh, you know, fear, Hey, uh, depression, uh, can you go away right now? It's not a good time. Uh, it doesn't happen for most people, but if there's a practice and this is a continuous long practice of recognizing, okay, this is what I'm feeling right now. This is not necessarily reality. I can make my reality any way I want it. I just need to deal with what's going on right now and soften it. It will actually go away on its own another clarification because if we're trying to let go of something it usually doesn't work right the classic yeah it's like if i say don't think of an elephant right <laughs> so that's that classic example that it just doesn't work letting go is more of not trying to let it go it's about allowing and i think too many people try to meditate and Trying to meditate is exactly the opposite of what we're trying to do. Um, we, we absolutely meditation is setting the intention, is sitting down, is deciding that we want to train the mind. But afterwards, we have to just kind of come back to the breath, if that's the object of meditation, come back to the present moment, notice the distractions, whether it's the mind or the emotions from the mind, and notice what that feels like and see if we can realize that okay this is right now but the emotion or even the thoughts are not who we are and that's a big deal because most of the humanity identifies with their thinking as if the thinking is themselves while in reality the thinking is similar to going to see the movies right we watch the movie and the cinema or netflix whatever and we're seeing brad pitt and uh, julia roberts and they're doing their thing and most of us get very emotional. We feel like we are part of this. While in reality, there's just some light projected on a screen, nothing more. But we come because our mind decided it's real. It becomes real and we cry or we get terrified or whatever, or we laugh, whatever it is. And if we can understand that our thinking process is no different than watching a movie, then we can understand, okay, this is just... Um, thinking right now that I'm afraid. I'm thinking right now, I'm feeling such and such. Can I understand that this is just a temporary mode, that this passes, and I can decide if I can learn to control it, whether it will affect me or not? And even if it's affecting me already, how can I soften this effect and allow myself to switch from anger to compassion, from sadness to happiness, etc.? So there's a lot of ways to work with these things. It's some of the stuff we do in our yoga trainings because we do believe in a holistic system. So our yoga trainings are trainings that include a lot of mind training, body training, breath work. Um, it started back in the day when I wrote my book. It was called The Yoga Lifestyle. And I start the book by explaining to people that, you know, it's kind of like having a car. You can have a Ferrari, the best engine ever but you don't have wheels or you have flat tires, you're not going to go anywhere. You have good tires, you've got good engine, but you've got mud all over your screen. You won't know where to go. You'll just crash into the wall. 
And so in my philosophy, it's about really incorporating the entire lifestyle into it, training the mind, training the body and eating well, like having good nutrition. And the mind is probably the top most important one because our attitude, our happiness um, will affect how our body will be. Obviously, the body will affect the mind as well. And so really coming to that place where we kind of work on all of them together and, and, and that way we can really come to a place of bliss, of, of pure joy and not just kind of the peaks of way up and down with, with emotions. Hmm. Yeah. I, I'm wondering for people that this might seem, I know, I know this is going to sound interesting to you, but I think there's a population out there could be listening that might be disconnected from this amazing thought. I mean, I, I certainly am in some ways, you know, just cause it's something that I work on and, you know, uh, try to get better at that doesn't mean, you know. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm even close to there. I think there's a lot of people that might be disconnected to this. And I'm wondering if, if you were going to try to help someone get into, I mean, you're kind of talking about mindfulness and self-love. Like if I had to maybe break down the two things, like having enough love to care for yourself and then, you know, using all forms of mindfulness as a way to kind of get there. Um, what would you say is like, how would you decide, define like what the benefits and value is of this? Because I don't even think some, you know, you're talking about like being able to control your emotions, right? I'm not sure that a lot of people even see why they need that. You know, a lot of people I think think like you shouldn't try to control your emotions. You try to let them just come. And um, yeah, I'd, I'd love to, I'd love to get your take on that because I don't want to put my two cents in when, when we have you here. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I think for a lot of people, the sense of being lost, of being disconnected, of being running around the rat race, you know, many people hit this like midlife crisis. Many people have midlife crisis in their mid twenties. Many people have a gazillion midlife crises, asking themselves, what am I doing with my life? Or what's the point? I'm just getting up, going to work, coming back home, being exhausted. Then in the weekend, I'm going to try and party and just make up for all the, and we, from all the like unhappiness that was during the week. And people just go through roller coasters. It's not that I don't allow myself like crazy laughter and I laugh like a madman sometimes because it feels so great. We absolutely allow our emotions, but we also understand that the emotions don't control us. And what happens for most human beings, they go through life with the mind controlling themselves. They don't notice it because they believe the mind is who we are, right? We believe, like Descartes, I think, therefore I am. I think, therefore I think. The mind is almost like a hand. I can decide to move my hand up and down or around, and it's very useful. But imagine if, I don't know, let's say I'm Dutch and in Holland, people ride the bicycle all the time. And if I'm used to riding the bicycle, but now I'm coming and sitting in front of you and I can't stop, my legs are still spinning, um, even though I'm sitting on the couch, that'd be really a bit of a problem, right? 
And most of us are living our life like that. The mind doesn't know how to stop. It's running all the time, controlling how we think, how we react, how we are, if we're happy or not. And we just kind of follow along like being pulled instead of leading the way and deciding, you know, this is the life I want. I want to make something out of my life. I want to be happy in this life. It doesn't even need to be that this thing I want to make is I want to be rich or big or not. I just want to feel like my life is meaningful and that my life has a reason. And, you know, it's controlling the mind or is, is me taking the lead. It's not me letting the horse take me wherever I want, but me riding the horse. There's two other little things related to this. And, and I'd say one of them is that when we do this, we also become healthy and having a body without illness is powerful waking up every morning at every age with no aches no pains just life becomes with a lot less suffering and it's a lot easier to go around life when you're feeling like a cat where you can get up and jump and move and feel like you have energy energy is a big one you know like really i want to do this great i've got the energy i want to start a new business at 50 sure why not i want to go and travel and climb a mountain absolutely the last part I'd say is about self-love. And I think that's super important, but forgive me for saying this. I think the younger generation I'm experiencing, there's so much emphasis on Facebook and other media about self-love and take care of yourself that I'm seeing a lot of selfish entitled people coming out there. And so self-love should come right away alongside loving the other because only when we can be there for each other when we can really there's no greater happiness than sharing with other people than giving to other people so absolutely self-care a hundred percent but loving yourself and the neighbor alike yeah yeah wow <laughs> thank you for that i mean that's it's, uh, I don't know. There's, the, there's so much to unpack there. What, what I, what, what I, what really stuck out to me was the energy aspect, the, the increased level of energy that you're able to gain from something like this. And I think that's a hidden one. It's, it's kind of like the mind. It's very hidden where it's like, really look at why people don't do things. Right, a lot of it comes down to not having the energy, um, and you know that's that's difficult that to for me to see. Um, and uh, when I, because and the reason is when I experience that, I know how it feels. It's like you want to do something like you can't. It's like feeling like you want to exercise and maybe you have an injury or something. You know, it's it's a it's a tough spot to be in. Yeah. Um, energy is is really really critical and you know you were talking about uh you were talking about something way back in the beginning where you were talking about uh like you know the work or the challenge that you're you're doing here the discipline and that you do need to find love in that right in that that whatever you're you're working on you you do need to find kind of love in that process because that's what's going to keep you motivated and going um what is would you consider um i know you said zen that's kind of what you you found to relate most to you um is that where most of these thoughts come from i mean obviously 
it's a little bit of a cultivation of it all crossed with uh, your own life experiences and other teachings. But, um, you know, if someone wanted to kind of take what they're hearing and try to learn from it, would it be looking into Zen or how would you recommend that? Um, Going to a Duran yoga retreat. <laughs> well, I, I don't want to say it, but it, it, it is true because I really don't want to self-promote. But in a way, um, Zen is an amazing place and finding a Zen center near somebody I think is great because Zen is part of Buddhism for those that don't know. And I think that one of the main pillars of Buddhism is finding a community because the path is challenging and going on our own it's almost guaranteed that we'll quit. So finding a community of people that does it with you or that you do it with them is powerful. And so I believe in whatever mindfulness community somebody can find or Zen, it can be Tibetan if that speaks to somebody. I love Zen because of the simplicity of it. I love that it's not full of gold and decoration, but it's really very, very basic, simple, and it demands of me to do the work. It wasn't like, okay, the master is going to come and touch your head and you're going to be enlightened. It's like, no, the master is going to come and beat you with a stick because you're moving all the time and you can't stop fidgeting. I'm kidding. They don't hit you with a stick anymore these days, but they used to. Yeah. Uh, and the idea is really self-discipline. Um, so, yeah, I definitely love that. I love the yoga world, though it's just so all over these days that exactly. there's yeah. very disciplined to beer yoga which kind of goes against anything that yoga stands but it doesn't matter i mean people are having a good time and that's fine um but in order to master the mind we need to be present so i do you know we write on the Doron yoga website or we put videos on youtube for Doron yoga and a lot of them right now are physical but even though they're physical we put i call it ashtanga because it's based on ashtanga so it's Ashtanga with a touch of Zen because it's Ashtanga with extreme mindfulness with the emphasis of how do I move? Am I thinking right now that I'm in a single pose? Are my thoughts like, oh my God, when is this going to end? Or are my thoughts are like, wow, this is so great. This pain is actually going to open up my hips and I'll feel better and my lower back won't hurt. And, you know, and so I really try to bring it as practical as can be in ways that people can later on use it in life. And I think that's crucial because there's sometimes this separation of spirituality and real life. And as somebody that's lived in Silicon Valley and in Manhattan, in New York City, it doesn't work. Somebody has to find a way to bring the spirituality into everything. Um, you know, simple practices like you mentioned, gratitude, right? just turning on the faucet. And I don't know how many people take that for granted. Like this is a miracle. Not that long ago, people used to have to go to fetch water to cook. In some place around the world, people still do that. For me, the biggest miracle is the toilet. Damn, like I hit a button and it all disappears. And the toilet never complains <laughs> about my shit. You know, so it's amazing yeah. like to find these moments of gratitude in life, to realize it just makes everything more pleasurable. You wash your hands and you're like, Oh, man, this is awesome, you know? So the more we can be in these kind of situations where we are really grateful and happy and then find a community, whether it's joining a Zen place, whether it's joining us and following us on YouTube and later on studying with us. And my goal is to eventually bring about more of a community, more people that 
we support each other because everybody has a hard time and having a good social network that is there, that is like-minded and wants to support is powerful. I, I, I love that. I'm taking some, I'm taking some notes on that now because the, I do, I do think gratitude, it's, it's one of those things where, uh, where I think people like kind of skip over it, right? Like gratitude, you know? Yeah. I'm grateful. Uh, I, I like to practice gratitude in two ways. One is I like to bring it into a feeling like, like where you get chicken skin, the hair stands up like on your arms, the back of your neck. And you're like, you know, you're almost like, you just feel like inferior to this amazing power and, and, uh, almost like, you know, it just, uh, I don't know, bring it into a feeling is, is really nice for me. And it is everywhere. I mean, people say like, you know, they don't like technology. Technology's bad. Well, <clears throat> you're uh, being able to work in Israel. You're flying to New York tomorrow. You know, I'm in Wisconsin. I'm driving to Levensworth, Washington this weekend. I'm able to work all over the world. You're able to work all over the world. That's technology. We think it's cool that we built this life for us. No, we just know how to use computers and cell phones. Um, and the other thing, and, you know, I, I really got that um, kind of from a little bit from like The Secret, you know, this like the book The Secret talked about that, like Joe Dispenza talks about that. You know, those are some of the people that I've taught, learned to like bring it into a feeling. But that's really just a mindfulness practice is to like be able to bring things into like feelings. Um the other thing was I was at this Wim Hof retreat, as I mentioned, and uh, they talked about the sister emotion to gratitude being humility. Now, this has been my obsession the last week because I just, I never realized how much humility there needs to be to have gratitude. And I think that's why the ego gets in the way of people naturally having gratitude. Like, you know, you were talking about like the toilet. Um, not only is it a miracle, do you know how to build one? And, you know, because if you don't, then you're shitting outside. Like your cell phone, do you know how to not only make a cell phone, but make it work with other cell phones? No, but you base your whole life around it. And when it doesn't work perfectly, you get angry. What about every time you do this, you look at it and it lights up like it should. You say, amazing. <laughs> you know, like, um, like. You should literally just be like, wow. And then I swipe up and it. I just look at it and it's open. Like, <laughs> how amazing is that? And, you know, we, we get to take for gr things for granted, you know. Um, but but I like, I really like looking at that other side of humility. Um, and, and I do think it's, it's just powerful. And I, I think being grateful um, almost, I know this sounds like a little interesting, but I think it, it, it manifests more good in your life. You know, it really puts that good energy out there and, and magnetizes it back, I think. So gr gratitude, I think, is one of, one of the most powerful things that, you know, we need to have in our lives. Absolutely. Gratitude, both, um, well, two things. One, it's true. Gratitude is not a thought. And so if I'm thinking, oh, I'm very grateful for this, 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 and make a list, I won't feel it. I won't, I won't be it. Gratitude for me is a state of being. It's not a thought because if I'm thinking it, it's not there. The feeling gets us closer to being it. 
And in order to be grateful, to really be not think gratitude, but be grateful, humility is just part of it because there is no way somebody can be grateful. It's, it's almost inherent. If somebody's really grateful and feeling it in all their bones or on the skin, um, then by all means, one cannot have the ego in the way because being grateful is putting my sense of self, my I, outside of the picture and feeling the gratitude towards what's in front of me. If it's all about I am grateful, then yeah, then it becomes about me and I am feeling grateful and I'm so cool and spiritual consumerism versus actual being grateful. So 100%. And when we are grateful, same like when we go and help somebody, right? I, I know if somebody, sometimes it's important to actually ask for help. Because I know if somebody asks me for help and I go and I help, or I was teaching this uh, um, high-end executive uh, class yesterday, and they're like all like masterminds, over 50 ninjas in the world. And there I go, and I'm able to come and shift some of their perspectives, let them feel better, give them a little assist, let them come out feeling like so much better. You know, they come with like the sense of like, you can see how grateful they are. And that sense of being able to help somebody else, one brings great humility for me. It's not like, oh, look what I did. But it's like, oh my God, yoga helped them reach that. It's not me. I was just the facilitator. And it, I, I feel like, hi, I came out of there after not sleeping much the night before. And I was like, what am I going to do? I have too much energy right now. I literally was feeling so great. And I feel like people do that if somebody is like open, you know, unfortunately, nobody really asks for directions anymore because their phone tells them. But I sometimes ask people for direction and, you know, people are dazzled. But if somebody goes and answers, if I am able to help somebody get somewhere across the street, carry something and they're happy, it just brings so much joy to me, too. Mm. I think giving brings a lot. Giving to others ultimately brings us far greater happiness than anything we can ever own. And so the secret is gratitude and sharing and being able to go ahead and give to others. That, that's really, there's nothing that brings greater pleasure. Uh, thank, thank you for that. I mean, uh, you just gave me energy. And that's, what, that's where I kind of want to wrap this up because I think if everyone every day did one thing meaningful for someone else, pick up the phone and call someone. Do something completely out of uh, the blue, you know, and expect nothing in return. And guess what? You'll probably get nothing in return from that person, but you might from some other random person. And I think that's the beauty of it. And um, Duran, what you're doing um, is beautiful. And I know you don't want to self-promote, but I would love to promote you. And um, if you go to D-O-R-O-N-Yoga.com, you'll see that there's courses and teachers trainings and retreats, all sorts of retreats for um, really everything that we've talked about, kind of, you know, this whole lifestyle. And they're in a beautiful setting. I do want to talk to you down the road uh, about uh, kind of like this thing you talked about having like a place for total, like transcendental living, right? Like where you can actually bring this into your day to day because you know, I was at that retreat at Wim Hof. I mean, moment to moment, millisecond to millisecond, I was peaceful, calm, happy for seven straight days. Then you get out and I had 914 emails. And I was like, 
I need five days to get back to this, you know, <laughs> and you start to, you know, then I had to catch flights and trains and figure out logistics to like, where do we get a hotel? Um, and it's really important to be able to mesh those two. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I just mesh those two or figure out how you can, you know, avoid it for sure. But I, I want to thank you for the wisdom um, that you shared, the time you shared, but also all the work you've put in over the years to be able to, you know, in 45 minutes, share so much knowledge with us. Yeah, totally. My pleasure. Thanks for hosting me. And since you did mention the website, I'll just say that there's also some books on the website that are very, very practical ways, whether it's cookbook or nutrition, nourishment, heavy duty. I don't go too scientific. I make it very practical. So hopefully, or even the yoga training book for people that can't come all the way to us. There's a ton, a ton of articles over 300. So we try to give a lot, a lot of free stuff for people to be able to come and just learn and grow and, and be able to, yeah, enrich their lives without paying a cent. So there's a ton of information there for people and the YouTube channel. Yeah, yeah, we'll put it in the show notes and tag you on uh, any post we put out about this. But thank you so much. I wish you the best and I look forward to connecting soon. Thank you. Hey, thank you for watching today's episode. If you got something out of this, it would mean so much if you could just take a second and give us a rating on whatever platform you're watching it on. And it would mean so much to the world if you could just find one person that you think this message resonates with and you can share that with them. Thank you so much for your support. Looking forward to share the next episode with you.